Hey, I need you guys to help me out a little bit this morning. I want you to help me identify these baby pictures. I'm going to put up some pictures of some famous celebrities, and I want you to shout out who you think that this is. Check out the first one right here. Who do you think that is? Jay-Z. Oh, you guys are good. Wow. <laughs> what about this one right here? She was recently given the title Artist of the Decade. Tay-Tay, yes, right there. Good job. Taylor Swift. How about this one? Who do you think this one is? Come on, the red hair gives it away, doesn't it? Good job. Way to go. Here's the best one right here. Check this one out. Who's that? I heard it. Vin Diesel. Good job. He looks the same, doesn't he? The exact same. Fantastic. Well, we love to see baby pictures, don't we? Today, I want us to look at some baby pictures of the most famous baby that was ever born, the baby Jesus. A lot of times when we think about Jesus, we think of big Jesus, don't we? We think about the crucifixion, we think about the resurrection, we think about Jesus' teaching, we think about his healing people, and all those are wonderful things, but there's some really specific things that we can learn about Jesus by looking at some pictures of him as a baby. And if we don't really understand who Jesus was as a baby, then it's hard to understand who he was as an adult, and who he is in our lives today. So I want to take you on a little journey today, back looking, looking backwards to these baby pictures of Jesus. And I want us to look today at several passages of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke as we look at these baby pictures of Jesus. And the first picture is his conception, is his conception how was Jesus conceived? It was in his conception that Jesus was both holy and human. He was supernaturally conceived, and yet he was naturally born. And if you don't get this about Jesus, the story of Christmas really does not jive. It doesn't click. He was supernaturally conceived. He was naturally born. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and then he was born in a natural sense from his mother, Mary. And so in the baby Jesus, in his conception, we see both his humanity and his divinity. Look at this here in Matthew 1.20. But after he had considered these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and this is speaking of Joseph, appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because uh, uh, what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph was going to end his engagement period to the Virgin Mary because she had conceived and he knew that the baby wasn't his. But all of a sudden he got an angelic visit and the angel said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not what you think. Go ahead and marry her. Well, what, what, what is in her womb is from God. And this has been something that's been debated, especially the last few hundred years, many critics of the Bible and of the Christian gospel have said, well, could Jesus really be born of a virgin? You know, I mean, that's a little far-fetched. But l let me ask you a question. If God could create the heavens and the earth, if God could create all of the galaxies and all of the stars and all of the universe, is it conceivable that, that, that he could empower Mary to be 
to bear a child by the Holy Spirit. If you think about the whole grand scheme of things, the virgin birth is kind of like, yeah, I mean, of course, absolutely. Now, we have a couple of internal witnesses, I think, that affirm the virgin birth. One is that it was prophesied in the Old Testament hundreds of years before Jesus was born that he would be born of a virgin. The prophet Isaiah said that way, way, way back in the day. But if that's not good enough for you, just look at the story. Something caused a change in the heart of Joseph. When Joseph went from, I'm not going to marry her, to, yes, Lord, I will marry her. And the only thing that could have changed his mind was the virgin birth. Now, how does this relate to our own lives? In Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16, look at this passage. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way and yet... uh, in every way as we are, and yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. It is in Christ's divinity that he gives us help in a time of need, and it's humanity that allows him to sympathize with our weaknesses. And that's why Jesus is such a wonderful Savior. If he wasn't fully God, he would just be one of us. And if he wasn't fully man, he wouldn't understand everything that we're going through. And so the reason that we can find mercy and grace in a time of need is because Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. And he was not conceived of man. He was conceived by God and he was supernaturally conceived and he was naturally born. Uh, You know, the scripture goes to great lengths to describe the virgin birth. And I didn't even dig out all of the scriptures in the Bible, but I looked at just five Verses, Matthew 1.18, Matthew 1.20, then verse 23 and 25, and Luke 1.34. I didn't even really start to dig, but the gospel writers go to great lengths to explain the virgin birth. It's not like some things in the Bible that are just kind of mentioned or kind of hinted at. It's, it's dramatically clear. And the reason is because this is the foundation of our faith. God became man In the person of Jesus Christ. He became both. Now what does this mean? In his humanity, Jesus is our friend. A friend is somebody that you love to be with. A friend is somebody you enjoy uh, connecting with. Somebody who encourages you. Somebody that understands you. Amen? That's a friend. John 15 describes Jesus as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. How could Jesus be a friend? He dwelled among us. He became us. He became one of us. And yet he was without sin. That's why he's such a wonderful savior. This is one of the distinctives of the Christian faith. In Eastern religions, God is an ambivalent force. In other religions, God is a distant deity. The Christian gospel stands alone in its belief and its ideology that God came to humanity. And he came in the person of Christ. So the first picture that we see is in his conception. He's holy and human. But we also see a second picture of Jesus, and that is in his birth. In his birth. His birth was so humble. Jesus is humble. Look look at this in Luke 2, 6, and 7. While they were there, the same time came for her to give birth, and then she gave birth to the firstborn son. And when she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in the manger, because there was no guest room available for him. The Israelite people, the Jewish 
people believed that Jesus was the Messiah was going to be a political ruler. In the first century, the Roman Empire dominated the Holy Land, the land of Israel. And they thought that the Savior was going to come in on a white horse and defeat the, the uh, Caesar and the emperor of Rome and was going to be a political military type of, of uh, Savior. So when Jesus came and he was born in a manger... And his daddy was a carpenter. And his friends were fishermen. This was not what was expected. Nobody expected the Savior of the world to be born in such a, such a, humble, such a humble manner. You know, if you look at the manger and the cross, you see the bookends of the humility of Jesus. He was born in humility. He died in humility on a cross, naked, nailed to that, to that wooden cross. It was in humility. When you look at the cross, then the manger actually makes sense. Yeah, he was born in humility. He, he died in humility. And this reminds us that God has a plan that oftentimes is different than our plan. The Israelites were looking for a different kind of Savior. And, and as a result, many people were confused because Jesus didn't sit on an earthly throne. He didn't have a crown that was on his head. He didn't have servants following him around. He came as a suffering servant. He came as one who was rejected by men. But it was in his humility that we see so much about his coming. Man, this Christmas season, maybe your life has not gone according to plan. Maybe you had a plan for your life. You thought it was going to be like this. 2019, 2020 is going to look like this. And all of a sudden, your life went over here like that. <laughs> Some of us thought we were going to be married, and, and we're not. Some of us never thought we would be divorced, and we are. I was talking to somebody who's a friend in another state, and she said, right, I never thought that I would be on my third marriage in my mid-40s. That wasn't the plan. Do you know what? We can always trust that God has a plan. Our plan and God's plan may be different, but God always has a plan, and the sooner that we learn to get our life in alignment with God's plan rather than trying to twist God's arm to get his will in alignment with our plan, the better that our life becomes. So Jesus threw a wrench in the whole system. It was unexpected. No, nobody saw it coming. But God always had a plan. God had a plan. And so it's in his humility that we see so much about him. He's a humble savior. Finally, I want you to see this third picture of Jesus. The third picture is in his names. It's in his names. Several uh, years ago, we were getting ready to have our first child and my wife was coming up with all of these wild and crazy names for my kids. I said, baby, please, we cannot name our kids those names. They will get beat up on the playground. 
I was reminded of my friend. His name was Maurice Theodore Harrison III. Maurice Theodore the third. How about that? The third. And I thought, man, I don't want him, I don't, I don't want my boy to get beat up on the playground. We can't give him one of these weird, obscure names. We need a, we need a normal name. Because names say a lot about people, don't they? And so we got one of those books, and the book, the baby name book was divided out by like what you thought your kid might become. So like if you thought that your kid might become a truck driver, it recommended names. Can I give you a few? If you want your child to drive the big rigs, here you go. Mac, that makes sense, like Mac truck, right? Norm, Butch, or my favorite, Bubba. <laughs> truck driver. And if you're a female truck driver, the number one name was Flo. I thought, what a cool name. My granddad used to drive a truck. I'm like, that's awesome. If you want your child to be a CFO, they had some, some male names, Winston, Donald or Nolan, and then female names, Deborah or Cynthia. And then they had mob names, like if you wanted your kids like to, to grow up in the mob, Freddie, watch out, man. Tony or the best one, Vito. If you name your kid Vito, he's moving to Chicago, he's joining the mob. That's happening. But this, this uh, professor emeritus at uh, UCLA did a study on this, and, and he said that people make judgments on other people based on their names, and if you really want your kids to be successful, you ought to give them one of the top ten names for a boy and one of the top ten names for the girl, and he scientifically studied this and came up with these top ten names, and his whole theory was that names matter. Well, all throughout Scripture, i got to tell you, names matter. Uh, God changed people's identity. Uh, Simon Peter uh, had a name change. He was Simon, then he was Peter. Saul of Tarsus became Paul. Uh, Jacob became Israel. Names matter. And we have hundreds of names for the Lord Jesus throughout the Bible. In Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is given two specific names that I want us to see because names matter and names mean something. In fact, in our culture, we have two names that we generally do not give boys one is Judas, amen? If you name your kid Judas, I mean, it's, all, it's like juvenile delinquency is coming, right? <laughs> Judas. And we generally don't name kids Jesus, right? Because the bar is too high. We don't want them to feel the pressure, right? Your name's Jesus. Jesus had a couple of names, though. He had many names. In Matthew chapter 1, 21, look at this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him, first of all, Jesus, which means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. And now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. So Jesus gets two names, Jesus and Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is is with us. Now, I don't think most of us have a hard time believing that, that God was with Jesus. I mean, most people would say, yeah, he probably was. God was with Jesus. Here's a greater question. Do you believe that God is with you? That's a bigger question. 
And most of the time, names refer to something about the individual that bears the name. Like, my name is Ryan, and it means little king. I've always liked that name. I like, thank you, Mom. Thank you for that. It means something, it says something about me. But Emmanuel says something about us. It's the only name that I can think of that says something about everybody else. And the message of Christmas was Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. That, that's, that's his name. Emmanuel. God is with us. How is God with us? He's with us through his promises. Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has a plan for us. Romans 8, 28 says he's working all things together for the good for us. Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So God's with us in his promises. God's with us in his presence. He's given us the wonderful, beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit within us. He's promised us in Hebrews 13.5 that he will never leave us or forsake us. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says God has promised that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Enemies may attack us. We may face struggles of many kind, but God's presence is always, it's always there. And no matter how bad the circumstances are, no matter how we feel, no matter how depressed or discouraged we may be during the season of Christmas, the presence of God is still with us. People let us down, but God is always there. It's his presence. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The essence of this passage and this event in history is not just that a baby was born. It's not just a past event. It's a current reality. God is with us. And when we see the baby Jesus... It's a picture of God's enduring faithfulness to us. When I was in the seventh grade, I had a surgery on my, on, in my chin. I had a cyst that was here. I was getting uh, routine x-rays for braces. I had buck teeth in the seventh grade. and So they were going to put braces on me. And they, they discerned that I had a big growth like right here in my chin. And uh, they said, we got to do oral surgery immediately. And I was in the seventh grade a long time ago, but I still remember the people that came and saw me in the hospital. I still remember the gifts that were given to me. I still remember the pastor that laid his hands on me and prayed for me. There's something about the power of presence. There's something about being there. God wants us to remember Emmanuel. He's always there. He's always with us, no matter how we may feel. His name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. When you're afraid, he's with you. When you're in over your head, he's your way maker. When you're hurting, he's your friend. When you're sick, he's your healer. When you are uncertain, he is your confidence. When you are lost, he's your guide. He's Emmanuel. But the second name that Jesus has given is Jesus, which means God saves. And many times we think about Jesus as a teacher or a philosopher or a revolutionary or a moral example, a humanitarian. And I suppose that Jesus was those things. 
But most importantly, Jesus was a savior. God saves Jesus. The most important thing we can know about Christ is that he came to save us from our sins. And in Luke 19, Jesus gave us his mission statement. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's a savior. When we look at the little baby pictures of Jesus, God wants us to know that Christ came to make us new. He came to redeem us. He came to forgive us of all of our wrongdoing. He came to set into motion a divine relationship between God and humanity. And it begins when we ask him to come into our heart and into our lives. Wow. Well, today, I hope during this special Christmas season that when you see the baby Jesus, you will see his baby pictures, his conception, his humanity, and his holiness, his birth, his humbleness, his name's God is with me, and he saves. Let's bow together for a word of prayer for just a moment.